everybody and welcome. You are listening to the Power Hour here at CJLO 16:90 a.m. in Montreal. My name is William Power. I'm with Dominic Demeester. So folks, we got our Super Bowl matchup set. We got the Philadelphia Eagles back after a few seasons of winning the Super Bowl with Nick Foles and we got the Kansas City Chiefs back after a few years of winning the Super Bowl against San Fran and then losing it against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dominic, we got Two teams that have been here before in the last few recent years. Although you got to credit the Eagles, Dominic, they do not look anything like they did when they won the Super Bowl over the Pats. Nonetheless, they're back in the Super Bowl. Chiefs, Eagles, Super Bowl in less than two weeks from today. I'm pumped. Oh, William, I'm so pumped. The two number one seeds facing each other. I mean, for fans out there, you might not like Kansas City. You might not like the Philadelphia Eagles. But listen, these are the two best teams currently in the NFL, and they're facing each other in the Super Bowl. Let's go, William. Let's get this show on the road. Hey, I like it, Dominic. I like it. We're definitely going to be talking about the two games that happened. Uh, we'll be giving our preview and our picks of the Super Bowl next week, folks. So stay tuned for that. A little bit of breaking news, actually. Uh, this week, obviously, you know, we talk about about uh, coaching carousel and everything that's going on there. I guess the big news is, Dominic, Sean Payton heading to the Denver Broncos and will be their next head coach. In return, the Saints get a first-round pick. I want to get your thoughts, but I'm just going to get a quick, quick preview of my thoughts. I love this for Denver. I think this could be exactly what Russell Wilson needs, and I'm glad that the Denver Broncos are making moves after this poor season. It's an amazing move for the Denver Broncos. But listen... This move came out at a huge cost. And it yeah. started, first of all, with the contract of Russell Wilson, which yeah. led to, obviously, a horrible match with the coach that they hired with Nathaniel Hackett. just did not merge well with Russell Wilson. But bringing in a guy like good old Sean Payton, who obviously had a smaller quarterback in Drew Brees, you would expect that if anybody's going to get Russell Wilson back to where he was at, it will be Sean Payton. We'll have to wait and see. Obviously, he still has a lot of pieces that he needs to put together, in my personal opinion, to make Russell Wilson as good as he was. But if there's a guy that can do it, it definitely is Sean Payton. Yeah, I think you said it well, Dominic. Who who better to do it than Sean Payton? Look, he won a Super Bowl, um, worked with Drew Brees, and I think that the the thing about Sean Payton is that you know he may not get the credit coaches like I don't know, like Don Shula gets or you know like Bill Parcells or, or of course um, Bill Belichick coaches like that, uh, but I think he's a very smart head coach um, and just the way he conducts his team, Dominic. I love the way he kind of always has an overview of the team and I never feel like he overcoaches if that makes any sense. I always thought with New Orleans, he coaches, he does what he needs to do in order to get his team ready. But, you know, he's not looking for the camera. He's not looking to be controversial or have his name thrown in the newspapers uh, or stuff like that. He wants what's best for his team. And I think that's why he was so successful with the, with the New Orleans Saints. And yeah, I look, I think, Everybody wants to see Russell Wilson have a bounce back year in Denver just because they wanted to see that division getting more competitive. Look, you got the AFC champion out of the division in the Kansas City Chiefs. Many people thought it could be the Broncos uh, going to the Super Bowl and perhaps winning it this year, although it was far, far from the truth. Uh, yeah, I, I really do like this one. I think that you bring up a good point, Dom. It comes with a big cost, that first round pick um, going to New Orleans. But look. I think uh, you are right about that, Dominic. But this Denver Broncos team right now, I I think they're built to make a run. You know, it's it's they do have some, uh, I guess I can say pieces that maybe they're missing. But you can make the case the team is ready for a Super Bowl run. So for me, I'm okay with giving up that first round pick, Dominic, because of the coach you're getting, and because I feel like on paper this team is still good enough to make a Super Bowl run. What are your thoughts on that? No, I'm going to disagree with you on, yeah. on this one, William. No, they're not ready whatsoever. I think that the, a lot of their receivers are questionable. Cortland Sutton's been an ice bag from day one. Uh, I think that he's an injury-prone player. Jerry Judy didn't really live up to the goods. He was drafted very high. I am yeah. very questionable on him as well. And at the running back position, Javante Williams. Eesh, I'm not a Javante Williams fan. Never was. I'd rather have Latavius Murray be my, my lead back next year. But, hey, that's not going to happen. They're going to need to draft the running back high. Obviously, on the defensive front, they lost their defensive end. That went to Miami, as you know. To me, I just don't like it. I don't see it as being a move that 
that could be immediately going to solve all Russell Wilson's problems, but I do like it long-term. Long-term, Sean Payton will know what he's inheriting. He's going to take out all the trash, not going to sign a bunch of these players that are supposed to be free agents. And at the end of the day, he's going to put a product on the field that will be very competitive. And I love that he chose this job. I'll tell you why. Yeah, me too. And, yeah, Andy Reid is right now probably the number one coach in the NFL. I know you got Belichick in New England, but I mean, since Brady's been gone, let's be honest, he hasn't done much with the quarterbacks that he's had. So I'm going to right now say that Andy Reid is the premium crop coach in the NFL. And for him to enter that division is huge. So who else is in that division? Well, the Chargers are in that division and they haven't fired yet Brandon Staley. To me, that is mind-boggling. Not only do you have Sean Payton, not only do you have Andy Reid and Josh McDaniels, who actually has a lot of Super Bowls in, on his resume, why is Brandon Staley still there? I don't know. They're bringing in an offensive coordinator from Dallas to hopefully change that offense for Herbert. I'm really concerned if I'm a Chargers fan. I'm, I'm honest, I'm really concerned if I'm a Chargers fan because Sean Payton at least has the resume to back up what he's done. And to me, it's a great signing long-term. And if I'm the Chargers, I better find a new coach soon. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm shocked the Chargers haven't uh, fired Staley just yet. You talked about Andy Reid being the best coach in football, Dominic. Many people are calling this the Andy Reid Bowl with his former Eagles team that he coached and now Kansas City in the Super Bowl. And, of course, it's got to be the Kelsey Bowl, Dominic, with both Kelsey brothers playing in the Super Bowl. That's going to be super fun to follow. But uh, let's continue on with this coaching care. So we got D'Amico Ryan, Dominic, former defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers, taking his talents to the Houston Texans. I'm a fan of this one as well. Uh, D'Amico Ryan has been Ryan has been a name that's been bounced around, you know, potentially being a head coach over the last few seasons. And this was the best defense in football. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I'm glad he's getting a chance. And look, I don't think anybody can be worse uh, than Lovey Smith. So, A, I think that you're getting an upgrade no matter who you're hiring. But, B, I, I like D'Amico Ryan's. I like the passion he shows uh, when coaching his, his uh, you know, his defense. And I really feel like he is a coach's player. I talk about coaches' players often. I don't think there's a lot of them in the NFL. But I think this guy can be one for his team and will be one um, for the Houston Texans. And, look, it's a tough job to inherit. Of course, we talk about, you know, inheriting the Denver Broncos job. That one, depending which way you look at it, may seem as fairly comfortable Um because the roster you have or not because of the challenges Russell Wilson had. But I think this one, you know, Houston, it, it's hard to be, I guess I can say, optimistic about being the head coach of the Houston Texans. But, you know, granted, he took the chance. And I'm excited to see what the Texans are going to do next year. Uh, and, you know, who knows? We don't know what they're going to do at the at the, uh, with the number two pick in the draft. I'll, I'll say they're going to draft the quarterback, which I think they will and they should. But, yeah, D'Amico Ryan, Dominic, uh, head coach of the Houston Texans, I like it. Yeah, I'm not sure what to think about this signing, to be honest with you. Did he land on the right team is what I'm debating. I don't think he landed on the right team. And to be honest with you, I want to see more out of D'Amico Ryans, not just being the defensive coordinator for the number one defense in the NFL, who, as a matter of fact, is stacked with talent. So we're going to find out how good this guy is very early in his career because the Houston Texans defense right now is garbage. So unless there's somebody there in that Houston's defense that could rise to the occasion, the only guy that I absolutely love is Derek Stingley. I think as a cornerback, this guy will be there probably his entire career. Other than that, I have big question marks. So who would I have put in there? I don't know. Why is Eric Bieniemy not getting a head coaching job yet in the NFL? I know, yes, he's going to the Super Bowl, and there's probably some time to wait on whether or not teams can contact him and so on and so forth. But that being said, Houston needs an offensive guru. Okay, they need probably both a defensive guru and an offensive guru. Clearly, they were terrible last year. But a young 38-year-old coach, D'Amico Ryan's coming in there. Is this the guy to deliver the goods? I'm not buying it. I don't think this is a good signing. I, I like the fact that he's young, Dominic. I think that, you know... That may seem as a problem uh, to some, but I think that, you know, it kind of brings that usefulness with him. And it's going to, you know, it's obviously a lot of it's going to depend their success on on who they take at number two. Um, 
that I think will, and like I said, should be a quarterback there. Um, moving on right now, Dominic, we have a few more hirings of OC and a few DC hirings. Kellen Moore uh, out for the Dallas Cowboys, in for the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm not sure about this one, actually, Dominic. You know, I'm fairly uh, optimistic about the first that we talked about. Kellen Moore, OC for the Chargers. I- I'm not sure how much I like this. I, I think that... With Kellen Moore, there's games where I felt he was a mastermind with the Dallas Cowboys and he knew exactly what he was doing. And then there was other games where he like looked like this 12-year-old kid that he actually does look like and he was just playing Madden up there and it just wasn't working. So I'm not sure if this helps Los Angeles Chargers and the struggles that uh, they, they've had on, on offense at times during the year. I have a question mark on this hiring, Dominic, for the, for Los Angeles. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Kellen Moore going to be teaming up with Brandon Staley Maybe we're completely wrong and they're going to prove us wrong. But right now, the guy that I'm most concerned about is the development of Herbert. I think Herbert's development right now, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, first of all, if Brandon Steele, number one, is the head coach. Number two, you're bringing a guy like Kellen Moore. What has this guy done in the NFL? Nothing much, in my personal opinion. Again, I would bring another older coach, an older veteran that's seen it all, that can help Herbert develop. To me, when you got a young prize quarterback, you have to do everything you could possibly can to make this guy grow. Currently, the Chargers are doing a lousy job. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't even make the playoffs next year. I know. Wouldn't that be incredible, Dominic, to think that, uh, you know, with a team like that and a team that solid, uh, you know, struggles as much as they they have been. Um, and, yeah, you know, it, it's tough. I love Herbert, and I'm surprised that he had a bit of, I mean, I don't want to say a tough year there. I'm just, it's really hard to figure out how they blew that lead, Dominic. And, you know, people say the Chargers aren't the Chargers, blah, 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 and everything that happened there. Um, I don't know. I think that, you know, you want to get a guy that's, like you said, has a bit more pedigree and a bit more of a resume in the NFL. I'm not sure if Kellen Moore is that guy. Um, we've got to wait and see. So, Dominic, actually with the Dolphins hiring Vic Fangio, it looks like this may have been got uh, put on hold. Uh, Miami was set to sign Vic Fangio as a defensive coordinator, being the highest in NFL history. Now you have reports saying the deal isn't official. What's happening? Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts. I'm, like, I'm not even sure if you knew it wasn't official, but quick thoughts on, on Fangio potentially joining the, the Dolphins there to be the defensive coordinator. Oh, I would love it. I mean, Vanjo. Yeah, me too. He's proven. He's been there for a long, long, long time. And to me, with a young coach that you currently have, I think you need to bring an old vet to kind of like solidify the defense, provide some, obviously, some gumption to that team. And this is the guy to do it. But now you're breaking news to me right now. I thought this contract was in the books. Yeah. Telling me that it's not. I'm pretty shocked. Yeah, no, like that's exactly what I was thinking. Big Fangio uh, heading to Miami, and I was super pumped. One of my buddies texted me uh, the other day about that. And now, yeah, the reports here. Uh, Big Fangio to Dolphins is an official question mark, question mark. So I don't know. But I know I was super happy when I saw this uh, news about him signing with the Dolphins or now potentially signing with Miami because he is proven. Like I said, he's one of these older coaches uh, in the NFL that, you know, he knows what he's doing and, uh, and he's able to get the players' attention in the locker room. So hopefully that goes through for Miami. Uh, Dominic, anything else you want to talk about coaching carousel? Guys, you surprised. Uh, yeah, Sal, let's, the let's job. talk about Frank Wright in Carolina. What are Good your call. thoughts? Frank Wright in Carolina. Is he going to bring in a new QB? You would imagine so. And who could he possibly bring? Yeah, I have question marks about this one. I think overall I was optimistic at first, and I think I still am. I think I prefer the... Uh, definitely prefer the the Sean Payton hiring to that one. Of course, you know, it's tough to compare to Sean Payton. I think Demico Ryan's as well. Frank Wright, it's hard. I feel like he's kind of a, a tough guy to judge. Obviously, this thing uh, in the year we had incredible success with the Colts didn't have that much success. But yes, you got to think he's going to bring a quarterback Dominic, and it's I'm going to be super curious to see who he decides to bring to this Carolina Panthers team because they have a lot of question marks on uh, on their entire football team, but especially the quarterback position. Right, they have tried to find uh, that number one quarterback for a while now. They had it in Cam Newton, brought them to the Super Bowl, one MVP. But uh, we got to wait and see what he does, Dom. But I think you said it exactly right. He's going to be going quarterback, and I'd say I'm 60-40 in favor of this Frank Wright hiring for the uh, for the Panthers. Well, the good thing is, is that he's a quarterback coach, right? So now the million-dollar yeah. question is, you know, you were high on him, actually. You were high on Matt Correll, who I yes. thought was like, you know, a guy you need to spread the offense and develop. I think he got injured early in the season. I just don't remember exactly the injury, but it took him out for the entire season. 
Do you think Matt Carell could lead Carolina? And do you think Frank Wright could actually mold Matt Carell as being a starter since we haven't seen him at all? Because right now, if I'm Carolina, I know I got a strong D. I know that my receivers are slowly developing well. Like, I'm a big fan of Terrence Marshall. I think that he can actually have a big leap next year. And DJ Moore is this kind of young guy that doesn't get enough love. But if he has the right quarterback, I think what they need to do, Carolina, is draft another wide receiver in the first round, spread the offense, put Matt Corral, and let Frank Wright be the coach that he can as a quarterback coach and lead Matt Corral to victory with the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I like Matt Corral, Dominic. He was, you know, at one point in the draft, he was actually my number one um, number one QB coming out of that draft. And I, I think that with him, is you, you do see a ton of leadership, number one, in him playing his bowl game that he got injured in. Of course, it was a freak accident, and you, you never like to see that. But just that, Dominic, to me, showing signs of a guy that, you know, he's a team player and he's going to do whatever it takes to put his team over the top. Uh, you know, I thought that in his time with Ole Miss, Dominic, he did a good job. He was a good gunslinger. I felt he he read the field well. He had a good, a decent arm. And he was mature, especially as a young quarterback. So, look, I'm not saying he could take the Carolina Panthers and win the division. But I do think with Frank Wright and what he was able to do with his previous quarterbacks before can potentially make Matt Corral the QB1 for the Carolina Panthers. So, Dominic, the folks are listening are saying, why the heck haven't you guys talked about the championship games yet, folks? Here we are. Let's talk about them right here, right now. I want to give you a little bit of, uh, I guess, maybe a, a tease. Uh, when in our first segment, they were talking a little bit about the coaches. Now we got the good stuff going. Let's start with the first game, Dominic, the 49ers and the Eagles. Oh, man, Dominic. When I think about this game and when I talk about this game with other people, I just feel really bad for the 49ers. And look, injuries happen, especially in football. I think, you know, you really see... Football, Dominic, is the sport, in my opinion, where injuries affect teams the most, especially when you have – the most important position in sports to me, Dominic, is the quarterback, and I don't think that's arguable. Maybe I'm biased. I'm a football fan. When your quarterback goes down, you know, usually you're in heck, and then your second quarterback down, okay, your season's over, and then okay, you have your third quarterback who's missed you irrelevant, and then he goes down, and they say, okay, we're going to bring in Josh Johnson, who's played for 48 different teams and played in 12 CFL teams. I just made that up, but the point is he's been everywhere, and then he gets injured. It was like – Talk about bad luck for this 49ers team. Granted, uh, before, okay, be, I can ask you a question, Dominic. Do you think the 49ers should have got a third quarterback ready for this game off the depth chart? Or do you think that, look, hindsight's 2020. It's easy to, you know, kind of talk about that now. Because when I talk about this game, Dominic, the first thing that comes to mind is that, look, credit the Eagles. They won this game. I'll talk more about the Eagles after. But I really look at it from San Fran's point of view and the injuries they had. Are you blaming San Fran for this and the fact that they weren't, quote-unquote, well-prepared? Or do you think it was really bad luck and it just wasn't to be for the 49ers? Yeah, there's an odd rule with regard to third QB designation that comes into play here. And I think your roster at this point in time, whether or not they had someone ready or not, he just wasn't available. So in other words, Jimmy Garoppolo was there in street clothes, right? Yeah. Why can't Jimmy, if Jimmy is actually, let's just say 65%, and I guarantee you he'd be on that field regardless, probably because he's got a chance to take his team to the Super Bowl. And unless his arms falling off, he would be playing that game, in my opinion, right? Yeah, yeah. So the inside baseball is that because he can't play, there needs to be a rule change. And I look at hockey, right? Hockey has this weird thing where if your goaltenders are gone, there's always a guy in the stands waiting. It happens once in a blue moon that you bring him on the ice and look, buddy, you're going to have to play for us. But in football, it's a bit different because obviously there's a game plan and so on and so forth. In hockey, you could just basically stay there like a post and let the puck hit you. You know what I mean? But a yeah. quarterback is like literally the guy that's got to deliver the goods on every single play, handing it off or throwing the ball. So to me, there's got to be a way to fix this issue. And apparently... There was something in the past and the competition committee changed it. So to what extent, I'm not too sure. But moving forward, this can never, ever, ever happen again. Because 
who lost wasn't really the San Francisco 49ers at this. It was the fans. The fans got screwed. Everybody who wants to watch an NFC championship game or an AFC championship game, they want to be entertained. How can you be entertained when there's no quarterback? How can you not have a solution there? The other thing is, okay, let's just say Christian McCaffrey is actually the guy that you really thought was going to be able to deliver the goods. Well, yeah. Why wasn't he actually doing what he's supposed to do, which is you're the next man up, Christian. We're going to run the wildcat and you're going to have to throw the ball. So to me, there's a mixture of two things. The NFL needs to fix this. And somehow, I don't know how they can do this. Maybe once every three games, you got a guy in the stands that has a bit of an understanding because your game plan changes on a weekly basis, right? So in my opinion, it's very hard to do, but it's still doable. Heck, bring Jimmy. If Jimmy was ready and he was there in the fence, I would have brought Jimmy out there and he would have played if he was, you know, ready to play healthy and he he can sense as a player to be out there. Right. So that's number one. Number two, if Christian McCaffrey actually was your guy, you should have played him. So I also, Mm. I really blame hugely this game on the idiot. I hate this coach. I told you I hate this coach. (laughs) Kyle Shanahan to me, he always in stressful circumstances blows up and then everything goes terribly. And at the end of the day, your team loses. You saw it in Atlanta. Yeah. You saw it here and there with the San Francisco 49ers. This guy cannot close. And don't get me wrong. I'm being really harsh on a guy who's inheriting no quarterback. I get that. But mm-hmm. you're the ones who put Christian McCaffrey as the next man up. So you, you, this guy has to be able to throw a slant. Is it that difficult to throw a dance slant in the NFL? It's not that difficult. At least it doesn't seem difficult. I saw old man Rich Gannon throw some slants with like, what, <laughs> at the age of almost 50. I'm obviously exaggerating. But what I'm trying to say is that this game could have been a lot more competitive. And it was mm-hmm. not. And I blame, obviously, the NFL. But I also blame San Francisco's coaching. He should have been able to put something on the field. Kyle Shanahan, I'm sorry, you're a terrible coach. You can be consistently in the NFC Championship. You can be always at the Super Bowl. But I will never trust you ever again. I think it falls on you to find another plan. And only to be able to put seven points on the board. Again, by you selecting Christian McCaffrey as being another backup plan, it's on you, buddy. It's on you. Christian McCaffrey is a hell of a talented player. I'm sure he's a hell of a great athlete as well. And I'm sure that a guy could throw a seven-yard pass. I'm sure of it. He could throw a seven-yard pass. <laughs> so to me, you'll line up a forward wide receiver set. you got four wide receivers on the field, or maybe even a fifth one for crying out loud. Because McCaffrey, whoever's rushing after him, I'm sure he can juke here and there. Goodbye. I'll maybe, you know, get myself three yards there. So... For the coach to not have slant passes in his playbook, yes, you could bring your entire defense. Bring them all up. Heck, why can't, what, you think Christian McCaffrey can't throw a long bomb? You think he can't throw 20 Mm. yards if ever the defense played like goal line stances? No. To me, they threw in the towel. It seems like he was bitter with Brock Purdy not being able to play. The damn kid blew his elbow. And he's probably, you see his face, he's just like, he's not understanding why Purdy's like saying, no, man, I'm sorry. I just, yeah. no, he's looking like kind of like stunned. He's like, oh, what am I going to do? Okay. I guess it's Josh Johnson's <laughs> time. What? You didn't have a, you, you didn't have a plan B. You have a whole week to prepare. You mean you don't have a plan B? Okay. Josh Johnson. Terrible. Why is that guy even your quarterback in the first place? If it was that terrible, but Hey, again, who does that decision fall on? It falls on the coaching staff. It falls on the organization. They plucked this guy out of God knows where they plucked him out of a lunchbox. They plucked him out of a, a B-rated movie somewhere. Who bloody knows? The guy was <laughs> terrible. He got a concussion right away. It's just like, did he fake the concussion? Was he nervous? What was the deal? He was gone. I know concussions out there are really bad. Don't get me wrong. They're the real deal. But it just seemed odd. Everything seemed odd. Everything seemed out of place. And at the end of the day, San Francisco, I'm sorry. Your product was terrible. You put seven points on the board. Philadelphia's going to the Super Bowl. I don't even want to mention Kyle Shanahan's name ever again for at least the next six months because that guy to me is garbage okay so there's a lot there and a lot of good stuff you said and definitely a lot to unpack and i think i agree with the majority of what you're saying the way i look at it is okay first of all a few things it would have been cool i mean christian mccaffrey 
did throw a pass and like that was pretty cool one of my buddies was texting me saying oh my gosh are we going to really see christian mccaffrey take qb1 reps because i was looking i was like if josh johnson get injured who's going to go quarterback and my guess was like mccaffrey because like like he seems like the type that you know an all-around athlete that could really do it all um to me that's besides the point it's it's almost as if josh johnson didn't practice the entire week to me some of these backup quarterbacks, Dominic, I just don't understand. And I understand it's pressure situation. And I get it. I'm not just saying Josh Johnson. I'm saying quarterbacks in general. Look, we have seen some backup quarterbacks, Dominic, do some remarkable things in the NFL. We've seen Nick Foles talk about the Eagles, right? Lead his team all the way after Carson Wentz having an MVP season, not only to the Super Bowl, but to beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl after Brady had an incredible game. We've seen stuff like that out of backup quarterbacks. But to me, as soon as a backup quarterback enters the game, Dominic, they seem to be like deer in headlights as if they've never held a football in their lives. As if they don't know the play call, they don't know there's a play clock, they don't know what a football is, they don't know who the receivers are. You talk about Christian McCaffrey not knowing how to throw a slant. It looked like Josh Johnson didn't know how to throw a slant, didn't know how to hand the ball off in this game. He was nervous. He couldn't catch a snap. And to me, in situations like that, it's... I think it's hindsight 2020. So look, the fact they didn't have a third QB, okay, like I'll give them a pass on that. It's tough. You don't think two quarterbacks are going to get injured in the same game and you want to have space everywhere else in the roster. It's only 53-man roster. But like Johnson just looks so lost in this game. And you look at his stats, he goes 7 of 13 for 74 yards. And someone who didn't watch the game would say, wow, that's actually not that bad for a backup quarterback. But that doesn't factor in the fact that he lost the ball. That doesn't factor in the fact that he got sacked twice. And he just really, really did not seem in command of this offense. He seems scared to throw an interception. He, he seems scared to mess up. And it's sad. And, you know, credit to him for coming into this game. And it's not easy. I get it. Look, all the pressure is on your shoulders now after Brock Purdy. Purdy gets injured. A lot of weird things happen in this game. Purdy was throwing the ball on the sideline. And then I was thinking to myself, well, if you can throw a four-yard hook, why is he not in the game? But then you we find out, look, he uh he tore he, he tore his UCL and like he really shouldn't have been throwing in the first place. But why was he not in the game? At least if you can throw a five-yard hook on the sideline, why couldn't he throw a five-yard hook in the game? I don't question Purdy's toughness. It just seemed weird he was throwing on the sideline and not in the game. But I think we know we got more questions after by realizing he's going to need surgery, out potentially six months. That sucks. But I agree with you on the Shanahan thing, but more in the sense that they didn't seem to get their backup quarterback prepared for this game. And look, obviously he took reps uh, in this uh, in practice this week. I mean, right, he's a backup quarterback. He has to take reps. But it was as if they plucked the 49ers fans from the stand. Like you said, Dominic said, Kate, you're going to be our number one quarterback now. Read this play sheet and throw the ball to Kishan McCaffrey and then hand it off to Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is going to come on a sweep. Then we're going to hit the, uh, Christian McCaffrey up the middle. And like... I know we're not talking much about the Eagles here, and you got to give credit where credit is due. The Eagles won this game, Dominic, so I'll move over. I just think it's a really tough way to end the season for the Niners, and I think it sucked. I think they have a lot of questions heading into the next season. Quickly, before we move on to the Eagles, Dominic, what do you think the 49ers do at QB next season? My prediction, they move on from Jimmy G. Brock Purdy gets QB1 reps to start the year, and you have Trey Lance as the backup QB. That's my gut. Trey Lance will be the quarterback for next year's San Francisco 49ers. They invested so much into him. And at the end of the day, if you see a guy like Jalen Hurts win the Super Bowl, this will open the door and the confidence for all those mobile quarterbacks who can't throw a frigging football to have a chance to win the Super Bowl. So gotcha. Trey Lance will be the quarterback next year. Gotcha. Okay, I like that. I can see that happening too. I think we both agree Jimmy G is as good as gone. Talk about Philadelphia here, Dominic. They won the game. They won the game convincingly. There were times in the game where they made spectacular plays. Devontae Smith had a great catch, non-catch. It is what it is. I was very impressed with Kenneth Gainwell. I thought he was the unsung hero in this game for them. Jalen Hurts had a decent second half. But if you're Philadelphia, Dominic, and Jalen Hurts plays the way he did in this game, they have no shot beating the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. No shot whatsoever. And I think I'm gearing towards picking the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, we're not going to make our picks now. And I honest to God don't know who I'm going to pick because I'm going to go back and forth up until we do our next show. But I was I was not impressed with this Eagles team. They look flat. There were times in the game where you were surprised the fans weren't booing. Um, and they just seemed to come up flat. And look, maybe they took it for granted. Maybe they played a little bit conservatively, which is what I thought because Brock Purdy was injured in this game. 
But I was not impressed with Hurts in this one. And I think if he wants to be the Super Bowl MVP, and never mind that, to win a Super Bowl over the Chiefs in uh, in a little over a week, he's going to have to have a much, much better game. And so will the Eagles in general, Dominic. They're going to need to play better if they want to beat the Chiefs. If they play the way they did against San Francisco, the Chiefs will win the Super Bowl. Yeah, Jalen Hurts, unfortunately, had a garbage game. But it's not really about what he did on the field it was before the game he went to announce he announced everybody hey everybody i'm not a hundred percent like who says that who says that before the game it's a green light for san francisco's defense to destroy jalen hurts at all costs hey we're gonna put as much pressure he seemed to be like hey guys i'm at a hundred percent so don't blame me if i lose this game i'm out there and i'm doing my best i absolutely despise a qb that goes and does that to me it's pathetic it, it shows you how weak you are as an individual it just unfortunately ruins any credibility that i had for this guy it was terrible now the product on the field different story because Sirianni seems to be like a good coach he seems to know exactly what to do but this game you can't really evaluate this game there's no quarterback in San Francisco to play I mean to me this game was like here's the the Super Bowl run for the Philadelphia Eagles it's a walk in the park enjoy your stay that's how I felt (laughs) this game I really did that's how I saw this game. So I have no clue how to evaluate Philadelphia in the next football game in terms of competitiveness because it wasn't going to be a really good test against San Francisco, and but we really didn't see it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, Dominic, right? You look at who the Eagles beat, okay? They beat the Giants team that were coming off a very impressive win against Minnesota, okay? The Giants have been up and down all season. That's like you could chalk it up as an impressive win, but also one you expect them to win. Then you have this game here, so... If I'm an Eagles fan, I'm just hoping that, you know, you're not taking the competition you've had so far and saying, look how well we did because they're not going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. The way they played against the Giants, yes, they had an incredible game. Uh, that, you know, that was one of their best games of the season, honestly, yes. And uh, I would have to say that their game this past weekend wasn't as great. So Philadelphia, look, they're there. Nonetheless, Dominic, they did a good job running the football. They still won 31-7. to No matter who's that quarterback, they played a good 49ers team. So it's going to be... By the way, William, yeah. who do you yeah. think is going to be San Francisco's frigging coach? Not coach. Hey, maybe the coach, but we all know Kyle Shanahan will be there next year. But yeah. who do you think is going to be the quarterback next year for the 49ers? Dominic, for me, it's Brock Purdy, and I'll tell you why. I understand the logic of you invested this, you invested that, and not just with Trey Lance. In general, oh, we, we paid this guy like an example we paid this running back 20 million a year we have to give him a third and fourth chance and i get that of course i understand i'm not naive to the fact but if you have a guy who's getting paid for example two million a year and you think you have a better chance to win with him you play him i'm tired of people focusing on the numbers and how much this guy's being paid and we traded this to get that person that person Purdy showed he could be your number one quarterback has trey lance shown that no he hasn't so for me i think you're overthinking it when you say yeah but we did this and we sold the farm to get trey lance i get it i don't think it would but be they able- did sell the farm to get you're, trey lance you're a hundred percent you're a thousand percent right and that's why i say to that fact i'm not naive to it and i don't think it would be a mistake to start trey lance but if if i'm making decisions in San Francisco. I have to start Purdy. You know why, Dominic? Because I've seen what I have in Purdy. I've It's a small sample size, but he's won. In games where he's played the whole game, he's been undefeated, right, Dominic? This game, he got injured. Who knows if he would have won? For all we know, the Eagles would have lost this game and San Fran would be in the Super Bowl right now if he played. So for me, there's no justification to say Trey Lance should start over Purdy based on the on-the-field performance. The draft picks, I get, but if we're talking on-the-field performance, Dominic, which is the most important of any category and every stat of anything you're contributing to the argument, it's on the field, and for me, that's Purdy. Yeah, Purdy did have an amazing run, and what I saw was a future, obviously, franchise quarterback. But, I mean, there's something about a guy's demeanor when he got injured I just, I know he was disappointed and I'm going to be harsh on the poor kid. You know, he was picked last in the draft and all I could say is that he gave it his all. But for whatever reason, like you said, he was throwing on the sidelines and yes, we all know how horrible his injury is, but he still was able to throw a couple yeah, passes yeah, here yeah. and there. So people end up playing injured and then get operated afterwards. 
So you're telling me what? They couldn't freeze his god darn elbow in some way, in some capacity? Clearly they couldn't. I'm going to trust the medical staff yeah, yeah, yeah. the San Francisco 49ers. And we can't treat these, these players like cattle. Obviously, they're human beings. But it just seemed off, right? You said it. Your eyes are seeing a guy throwing the ball on the sidelines. Your eyes are seeing a guy. He still threw a pass in the game when he was injured. So you're like, he's still doing it. Why isn't he doing it for the inter- for the rest of the game? I mean, yeah. you're going to get operated regardless. Guys, when they blow their knee, ah, shoot, sometimes they can still stay on the field. Sometimes they can't, you know. Some guys play through injuries, and some guys just don't. And obviously, that could be a pain threshold. And maybe Brock Purdy, unfortunately, maybe they, they couldn't freeze the area. And obviously, it would have been a disaster. Or it could have jeopardized his arm further. So there's a lot of gray areas that we absolutely don't know. But to be honest with you, I think we're one and done with Brock Purdy. I don't know how he bounces back as as a player. How do you bounce back after a Cinderella story only to get your arm mangled in the NFC championship game? How is that arm going to be next year? Again, if I'm the 49ers, I invested heavily on Trey Lance, even though I think right now he's a bag of poop, but the team on the field is not. And if a guy like Jalen Hurts can go and win a Super Bowl, I'm telling you, William, what we're going to see is a lot of copycats. They're going to try to do the same bloody thing with, obviously, rookie quarterback contracts. Maximize your ability with your rookie quarterback contract to win a Super Bowl. And if if Brock Purdy is obviously 7-0, and just like Jimmy Garoppolo, these guys were winners. But for whatever reason, maybe Cal Shanahan, even though I think he's an idiot, his scheming might suit better Trey Lance's skill set. So that's going to be the X factor. How well is Shanahan's scheme going to fit a guy like Trey Lance next year versus Brock Purdy? And I don't even think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be back next year. I think he's it's over for Jimmy G. Yeah, a lot of things you said there, Dom. I think, you know, to answer your question about Brock Purdy, how he bounces back. It's going to be tough, but one thing I know about him, Dom, he's a confident kid. You know, you saw that on the field. He seemed calm, cool, collective. I spoke to quite a few 49ers fans, and uh, one of them, um, shout out to Barbara, who's a, a big, big 49ers fan. Uh, she was saying that she Purdy really reminded her of, of Joe Montana, which, you know, cra- is crazy to say, because obviously Montana is arguably the GOAT, maybe like the, the second best quarterback of all time. If not, like I said, the GOAT. Um, Rob Purdy is no Joe Montana. No, no he isn't. He, <laughs> no, he's not. My point is that... He he seemed calm and he's a confident kid and confidence goes a long way in sports. And I think that he, he does bounce back, Dominic. I think regardless of if he starts or not, I think he is with the 49ers next year, whether it is Trey Lance getting QB1 reps or Purdy. I think, you know, you you he found a hidden gem in Brock Purdy. And I think you need to keep that. And you need to cherish it. Um, so we'll uh, have to wait and see what happens there. So, Don, we gave a lot of love to those Philadelphia Eagles well, in terms of airtime, and we kind of pooped on the uh, San Francisco 49ers there, I think a little bit well-deserved. Let's jump to the AFC Championship game, the Cincinnati Bengals, Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs advance 23-20 to over the Bengals. Seems like Kansas City is always going to be here as long as they have Pat Mahomes. A slow start to this game, a little bit surprisingly. Um, Kansas City takes a 6-0 lead, then they become 6-3, then Travis Kelsey makes it 13-3. And at this point, I didn't think the game was over, Dominic, but I said it's going to be a hard hill to climb for the Cincinnati Bengals to come back in this game. They scratched, they clawed, they bangled, they were in, they bangled their way in, back into this one, ended up tying the game. And then, of course, we got to talk about the penalty, Joseph Jose, and that roughing the passer, blah, blah, blah. And look, that, that, it changed the game, of course. It was, it just so happened that it was one of the last plays of the game, which is what we're talking about. But since he had a chance to win this game prior to that, they got the ball back. Uh, they weren't able to move the football. But still, uh, a, not the most exciting first half, I'd say, but I'm glad it came down to the wire in the end. Uh, great second half. And, and I ended up picking the Bengals in this one. You went for the Chiefs. So credit to you, Dominic. You went 2-0 and this week, and I went 0-2. and I Hopefully, I get my Super Bowl pick correct. But, uh, yeah, it was the, the Bengals uh, just, uh, just missing out there and the, the Chiefs advancing in, in a close one over Cincinnati. Yeah, great football game all around. But, man, if I'm a Cincinnati fan, ah, man, I'm really pissed off. Thought that Cincinnati was going to win this game. I really did. Mm-hmm. Late in the game, I'm like, Burrow's got the ball. Yeah. He's obviously going to drive. He's going to get a field goal and they're going to obviously go. This is completely how I saw it. And for the second year in a row, you know, 
I'm going to start talking about Cincinnati first because at the end of the day, we can talk about the refs and all that. But let's yeah. talk about Cincinnati and let's yeah. talk about Joe Burrow. Yeah. A lot of people have put Joe Burrow on a huge pedestal and that he's going to be just as good as Pat Mahomes and all that. But I'll tell you something. I'm questioning whether or not Joe Burrow can handle the pressure when he gets the ball because it's the second time that he's got the ball on a final drive. Mm -hmm. And some people might say, oh, it's not all his fault. But I'm going to say that it is his fault. And he choked. In my opinion, all the great quarterbacks are able to drive the field and get at least a field goal. You don't even have to get a touchdown. you got so many weapons. There's no excuse, in my opinion. Someone, even myself, could easily point to the offensive line. But for for whatever reason, somehow in the second half, they found a way to minimize the damage. Except for that last big play where Chris Jones obviously sacked Burrow. But I still think that he should have been able to throw the ball and get it off. And it seemed like he didn't want to be that guy, but you're going to give the ball back to Kansas city and Kansas city. Look what Kansas city did. Pat Mahomes. It did ex- barely any plays. Granted, he got that huge penalty to get them in field goal range, but you know what? Do you honestly think if, if that penalty wasn't even there, I think Pat Mahomes still probably gets somehow into field goal range and Kansas city still takes it. So To make a long story short, I honestly think that Joe Burrow, to me, has not proven himself to be an elite quarterback in big games. And I'm disappointed because he should be. Because I love Jamar Chase in the combination with Burrow. But is that all they have? Is it just the Jamar Chase show? And we're going to find out who the real Cincinnati Bengals is now because they're going to extend Burrow next year. That's going to affect the salary cap moving forward. And I don't know whether or not just having Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow is going to be enough. Because mm-hmm. if the guy can't produce in big moments, he's going to need someone else to step up. And obviously a right receiver can't do it himself. A running back could. But, you know, I'm not really impressed with Joe Mixon these days. I'm kind of disappointed there too. But let's talk about that offensive line. That offensive line yeah. is is what I thought, what it really was, was an offensive line that got lucky, got, got to play in the snow against Buffalo. And absolutely was terrible and did yeah. not support Cincinnati. Only in the second half did they kind of manage a couple drives here and there. But that was really, in my opinion, Jamar Chase making big plays, Higgins making big plays, Hurst making big plays. And Hayden Hurst, this guy, in my opinion, gonna get himself a great contract in Cincinnati. Yeah. They should never let that guy go. He came out of nowhere, really. Yeah, he came out of nowhere and he really balled out when it mattered most in the big down situations. But uh, Kansas City's defense, Chris Jones, Bolton, uh, Trent McDuffie, DB, young second-round pick, he came out of nowhere in this game. He played really strong, and that's the reason why Kansas City won. I thought Kansas City was going to get a couple touchdowns through their D. Uh, They didn't, but still, they still managed to disrupt that offensive line enough to win this football game. And again, I could go and talk about all the penalties and all that, but to me... It's it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with Cincinnati having the ball again at yeah. the very end, just like they had it in the Super Bowl, and they couldn't finish. And that has to do with Joe Burrow because he's the guy of the ball. And you could say obviously the coach is really responsible there too. I don't know. What do you think, William? Because I think that Cincinnati choked. Yeah, you said a lot of good stuff there. I, I think to first jump on, we said about Joe Burrow. I like Joe Burrow and Part of the reason I picked Cincinnati in this game was because of how calm, cool, and collective he seems to be at any situation. You know, he's there, he's with a cigar, he could be down by 20 points, he's going to come back and he's going to lead this team. When they got the ball back, Dominic, even though it was at their own six-yard line, it was tied 20-20 to at that point, I really did think Cincinnati was going to at least get a field goal, like you said. And at that point, if I was a betting man... I would have picked Cincinnati to win the game because they got the ball back. They had momentum. They were down by 10 early on in this game. They, Like I said, they they scratched their club. They were back in this football game. And they came back and tied it up. For me, Dominic, it's more the Kansas City Chiefs defense. And I know when we think about the Chiefs, think about Mahomes, think about Kelsey. Now you guys think about, like, uh, obviously Hardman and uh, Kadarius Tony, and obviously Marcus Valdez-Scanling and Juju Smith-Schuster too and Andy Reid and his play calling and, you know, all that super fancy stuff. But the, I don't think this defense gets enough credit, Dominic, because of how good the offense is. And that's, you know, that's I, I fall into that trap too, Dominic, because this is 
arguably, if not the best offense in the NFL. This Chiefs defense is for real. And Chris Jones continues to make plays week after week, Dominic. Like you said, getting that huge sack there on third and eight sack, getting the ball back for his Chiefs offense. What do Chiefs do? They end up getting a field goal because of that dumb penalty, which we'll talk about. I like Joe Burrow. I'm, I don't question Joe Burrow, Dominic. I think the offensive line, unfortunately, let him down in this game. And for for me, part of the reason I picked Cincinnati to win this game was because I thought it was going to hold up the same way it did in Buffalo. And it really didn't, right? He got sacked five times. And look, not all of that is on the O-line. I'm with you. There are times where Joe Burrow could have tucked it uh, and, you know, either run or throw the ball away. I get it. Burrow didn't have a great game, right? Let's call a spade a spade. 26 of 41, 270 yards, a touchdown, two picks. And he could have thrown even a third pick early on in this game that Kansas City ended up dropping. So... For the Joe Burrow we've seen late, Dominic, that went on like that win streak, it wasn't the bro we expected. Um, and you can see it, it wasn't even the Mahomes we expected, whether he was injured or not. So a type of disappointing out of both these quarterbacks uh, when you look at their performance. Because um, we know how good they are, right? We know how good these guys are. For me, Dominic, I'm I'm giving I'm giving Bro a little bit of a, a pass here. I know. It's back-to-back years. He's close to the Super Bowl, close to winning a Super Bowl. Last year, he didn't get it done. This year, he doesn't get it done. I think this team is young, Dominic. And I'll agree with you that I don't know if if Jamar Chase and Burrow will, are, together are enough. They need to keep guys like Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. That's what makes this team so special is that Jamar Chase cannot consistently get double-teamed, right? Because T. Higgins is a baller. Boyd is a baller. T. Higgins would be a number one wide receiver on any other team. He just happens to play with Jamar Chase. So... You need to keep this trio of receivers for sure to continue the success. I don't think it's just Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow show like everybody else does. Joe Mixon ran the ball very well late in the season, Dominic. Unfortunately, he did not in this game. Credit to the bank to the to the Chiefs defense here. Um, but I thought like the way this game ended, Dominic, in a field goal was kind of what I I did not expect it to be a blowout. And I'm with you that even if the penalty did not occur on Joseph Osei at the end of the game. And this, for, I don't think Kansas City would have got a field goal. I, but I think the game would have went to overtime, and I, I see Kansas City win. I can't see Kansas City losing at home in OT. So I think regardless of the penalty, the Chiefs would have won. Now, look, of course, for Osei, it's a huge penalty. It, it really is heartbreaking. You see him on the sideline. You see his players console him. And we could talk about this all day long. It just so happened it was a boneheaded play with eight seconds left in the game, and it was just uncalled for, right? And, like, I'm always a guy who's going to give the benefit of the doubt to the defender because I find it really difficult. We expect these defenders to kind of stop in midair and, and not touch the quarterback. But, Dominic, in this one, like, he, it, it was a no-brainer, right? You had to call this one, right? You have to call it because if you don't call it, I mean, everyone's going to be talking about that for sure. So, yeah, the, the, and- the play, the play is the, it's the right call. Yeah, and it was it was I say it's a fairly obvious one too because he extended it his, he extended his arm yada yada yada, but it was man this Chiefs team is is like you know a team that's been clutch week in and week out and I really thought that it was going to be Joe Burrow's time to make it to another Super Bowl Travis Kelsey let the mayor of Cincinnati know it ain't Burrowhead it's Arrowhead uh, Stadium and uh, yeah Dominic it was uh, I'm glad with the, the the way the game finished because it was a good fourth quarter it was back and forth. I do feel for Cincinnati. I feel for the losers of both these football games because the 49ers and the Bengals were both coming in hot. I thought they were both going to win their games, and and I do think they had a good season. Um, For Cincinnati, Dominic, that's the thing, though. You're going to have a young core. You have Joe Burrow, and like Burrow said, as long as he's quarterback, the Super Bowl window is open. However, the AFC will continue to get stronger, Dominic, and you can't help but think, did Cincinnati let this one slip by for the second straight year like you mentioned? Yeah, they did. And I think that uh, we won't see Cincinnati for a little while. This team, you talked about Tyler Boyd. I don't think that guy's coming back. T Higgins probably will come back. I mean, um, I'd have to check his contract exactly. But to me, if I'm T Higgins, like you said, he's a number one wide receiver. Does he want to be in Jamar Chase's shadow for the entire career? We'll have to see whether or not that's the case. But I think that a guy like Brian Callahan could have done better offensively coordinator for the, for Cincinnati could have done better in this football game. Lou Anurumo, the defensive coordinator for Cincinnati was not aggressive enough. This guy that I fell in love with this year was Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson should have definitely been rushing Mahomes a lot more. And that's the reason why Cincinnati's not going to the Super Bowl. Zach Taylor, you know, he's the head coach, but these 
offensive and defensive coordinator are part of his, you know, team. And I just, I don't know, all around Cincinnati was a big letdown. And as I said, uh, Joe Burrow, you choked, buddy. You know, you had the ball. It's in your hands. You're supposed to do something with it. Look what Kansas City's done consistently year in and year out. Offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, he seems to be this guy that is able to to create a game plan that there's always someone open. Somehow yeah. there's going to be someone open. How is Marquez Valdez Scantling suddenly when everybody falls down, he rises to the occasion. He rises to the occasion because the play calling and the scheme is fantastic. If Eric Bieniemy is not a head coach next year, I will be shocked because this guy, to me, is one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. He deserves a lot more credit, and he probably will get credit whoever hires him as a head coach because I would definitely give him a job. Yeah, I know he's been uh, definitely turning heads, Dominic, and uh, made a name for himself in the NFL. I think when you look at this this game, Dominic, and like – it definitely wasn't one play that came came back and really bit the Cincinnati Bengals in the butt, but it was 13 to three just before halftime. Okay. Cincinnati had the ball, goal to go situation, and Joe Burrow throws an incomplete pass with four seconds left, and they kick a field goal, okay, to make it 13 6 at half. There's two things there. One of them, you need to punch that ball in there. You're not going to, and, and I said it when the game was on, you're not going to beat Cheese by kicking field goals. And that was huge. Being down 13-6 or 13-10 going into halftime is a big difference, especially when Kansas City was getting the ball to start the second half. You're playing on the road. I would have considered going for it there if I was Cincinnati, Dominic, and I think I actually would have went for it because, look, I get 13-6 to makes it a one-possession game. You feel more confident, but you're not going to beat this Chiefs team scoring field goals. And we know that. And I was a little bit surprised to see Cincinnati kick the field goal there at the end of the half, Dominic. That's a tough call to make. Very it is. It tough. is because it was, it was there at like the four-yard line, right? It wasn't like a, a one-yard or at the two. But I don't know, Dominic. You're playing Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, you know? Yeah, you've got a good point. I think that you have the offensive weapons to do so. You're probably right. They should have gone for it in retrospect. And specifically with Mahomes not being 100%, if you get a, a few points on him at halftime, yeah, that, that would have been a bonus in retrospect. For sure, Dom. I think that, uh, you know, it's hindsight's 2020. But something, folks, that we have to look forward to now is the Chiefs, Eagles, this year's Super Bowl. I'm excited for it. It's going to be the Kelsey Bowl. I know we uh, a picture of uh, the Kelsey's mom there wearing her half uh, Travis Kelsey, half Jason Kelsey uniform. I think that's super, super cool. I'm super pumped for the game. Folks, thank you for tuning in. Uh, come in next week. Please listen to our show. We're previewing the Super Bowl. All that good betting stuff, Dominic. I want to know what you eat on Super Bowl Sunday. I want to know where you're going to go. And, uh, yeah, let us know, folks, uh, where you're going to be watching the Super Bowl. We have just over a week away until kickoff. We'll be previewing the game and giving our picks here live on CJLO. So tune in next Thursday at noon. Thanks again to all our listeners. Hope you enjoyed the show. You were listening to CJLO, 1690 AM in Montreal. 